This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and my guest today is Robbie Hewson from Roots Reggae Group One Walker. Some might say he's the linchpin of the gang. Others just say he's a good bloke who's got his priorities in the right order. But it's Robbie's love of the genre that's continued to shine through for the past 10 years, making One Walker a group that you can chill out with at home or enjoy even more when you see them live. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Robbie Hewson from One Walker on Plains FM 96.9. Robbie, what's your first memory of music? I was lucky. I grew up, my mum was a singer, and um, she was a performer, and she played in um, bands and sung generally all around the South Island. So as a little fella, I was able to travel around with her. You know, my my first memory of music is really being at shows, um, and she was primarily playing in country bands, so I was exposed to a lot of country music uh, when I was a kid. And it was great. Yeah, I was lucky to grow up with music in my life. And mum was a fantastic singer. And she, you know, she's still a great singer now, obviously. And I think that was installed in me, really. Music from an early age, uh, just through osmosis, you know, absorbed the absorbed the music. You say early age, little fella. What sort of age are we talking? Right from day one, bro. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So mum a babe was, in arms. Yeah, and, and mum, my mum raised me making a living from music. And that was that was a really cool thing. At the, sometimes when you were at school and kids would talk about what their parents did for a job, people didn't understand that, that my mum was a singer. Uh-huh. And um, I, I think that's an awesome thing when I look back on it now. <laughs> was dad on the scene? No, just mum. Yeah, okay. just mum. My, my dad died when I was a, I was a young guy, a yeah. young fella, about four. And um, so mum, it was just mum and me. She was incredible. And, and what an amazing thing to do. To uh, earn a living from music, you know, knowing what I know now, how hard that is. We all have full time jobs in our bands. Yeah, we can't make a living from music. It's really yep. difficult. Yeah. So I think, wow, that was that was amazing. So I was exposed to not only uh, not only that, but awesome music at the same time. It's not like you came into it as a seven or eight year old or something. It had always been with you. But was there a time when you started to realise what was happening? The environment you were in perhaps wasn't normal <laughs> yeah I think I always knew that I think I always felt that I remember at primary school you know um, feeling like that was a that was a bit of a different thing when you know my mates were uh, their parents were were builders or or whatever um, but I was never bothered by it I thought it was, you know if anything I was extremely proud of it when did the music start for you mum probably forced it on me uh, in fact, she did. Mum forced music <laughs> on me. Uh, I distinctly remember she her telling me that uh, she'd enrolled me in um, in some keyboard lessons, some piano lessons, and I wasn't real keen on that because I didn't want to play music. I, I didn't really want to. I didn't want to play piano. Um, but she she told me I was playing. But sure enough, I got into it and slowly started to enjoy it. Mm. And the cool thing about that is when I look back on it, learning piano was such a good foundation for music, and that. That gave me something to go on. Later in life, you naturally find what you want to play. I always wanted to play the guitar. I yeah. always knew I wanted to play the guitar. Yeah. Guitar was the cool instrument. You pick it up, yeah. you know. Yeah. It was the rockers, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, but uh, so um no mum mum got me into music for sure. 
you said and then you started to enjoy it. What was <laughs> it that you started to enjoy about the um, about the playing? Just the groove, just just the groove of music and and feeling it. I think I remember the songs, you know, everyone everyone knows this who who learns music when they're young. The songs that the music teacher gets you to play, you hate them. You know, they're, 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 they're awful tunes. <laughs> Michael rode the boat ashore. <laughs> that's, ex- that's, that's, He's done it. That is one of the tunes that I had to learn. And, and everyone has to learn that tune. You know, it's, you know, so the tunes you're playing when you're a kid, you, you don't necessarily want to want to be playing them. But when you start to figure out you can take what you're learning and play some tunes you're hearing on the radio, that's when you start to enjoy it. What was the, I have to jump in here, what was the first popular tune you remember trying to figure out on the on the keys? Well, it's funny, on the keys, um, the first popular tune probably wasn't a great tune to be playing on the piano, but I was playing it anyway. I really got into grunge rock as a young young kid. Uh, I don't know I don't know how, but I, I was a big Nirvana fan, and I was, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all of those sort of bands. Um, so I, I distinctly remember learning Smells Like Teen Spirit <laughs> on the piano, that, that riff. Uh, it's a you know it's a guitar line, but why not? Have you heard the Tori Amos version? No, I okay. haven't. We'll have to um, we'll have to dig that we'll out. We'll have to the, dig that out later. The, the archives, uh, but still, you were using what you had to play the stuff that you were you were into for sure, man. And I think uh, one of those things for me is um, it's still the way I learn music now is by hearing it. I was never great at the theory and reading yep. and anything yep. like that. I've always relied on my ear to to pick a tune and and to hear it on the radio and then replicate it through ways you know just just by having a go and playing it and and that was that was how I learned to play music before we continue with the Robbie Houston musical journey now when you're in the studio as an example you must be using charts there I presume or is it nah. just everyone's got it down nah nah we very much as a band I would say we just feel it yep that's that's us I mean that's our style that's yep. the style of music we play that that's us as a band. We very much feel it. We we we're humming lines at each other. Yeah, yeah, we're we're yep. communicating yep. different parts and things like that just through ways we know how. No, we're yep. a pretty yeah, we're a pretty organic band. I reckon that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, tell me about the um, tell me about the guitar story. Uh, keys have sort of moved away. Well, tell me about singing at least. Singing was a later in life thing. Singing how later? A, a lot later, to be honest. Um, singing was a when we started playing as a band thing and you know i was just i'll have a go you know um <laughs> it's a very singing. kiwi attitude have a have a go at singing i always i mean i've always known i can sing i've always been a, but i was always kind of a, one of those private singers you know singing singing on my own and i knew i could i knew i could sing sing a tune but yeah, um yeah, yeah. what one of the things is with the one walker story when we started we're very family orientated my friends that we grew up with and we started playing music and the boys could sing, you know, they could really sing, and I, I knew they could sing, and I knew I could sing too, but I think they didn't know that I could sing. When I finally just grew some confidence to join them on that level, um, that's when the singing journey began, I suppose, is is just jumping in with them, and one thing, you know, one thing led to another, and, and we just gelled these three-part harmonies, um, very, very mildy styles, you know, um, mm. the three-part, the... That's actually a big part of reggae as well, is is the the three part harmonies. The you know a lot of those early Jamaican reggae groups were vocal groups. As we sort of ventured into more deeply into into the reggae thing, uh, I think we started to emulate a lot of that that sort of style. Is okay. is the 
the singing and the harmonies. And that's still our favorite thing. That's still our favorite part of what we do is, is the singing. Before we hear some music, where did the reggae come in? I mean, it's a bit uh, of a departure from Kurt and Friends. Yeah, reggae. Although it's it's uh, for me, it's it's linked to um, to to Kurt and Dave Grohl and yeah <laughs> and uh, Nirvana. I can distinctly remember the moment when I discovered reggae. I first heard reggae and first discovered, like most people, discover Bob Marley and the Whalers first, and that was the same for me. And I remember reading an article uh, at the Barrington Mall, and then I used to, my mum would go and do the groceries, and I'd go into the Paper Plus and scab the magazines and just stand there and read them like everyone does and not not actually buy one yep. but um <laughs> i remember I, I started reading an article on the whalers okay and bob marley yeah. and um f- at, at that moment uh i never listened to nirvana again <laughs> i went out and i bought i think it was the catch a fire album or one of those um or might have been the exodus album by the whalers mm-hmm. and i n- honestly never looked back and in all honesty like i it's reggae is such a niche thing and it's it's almost like a cult you get you get absorbed in it and it's it's such a big beast when you discover how much reggae material was available out there that you never stop discovering new music and and especially from that golden era i heard something like there was there's jamaica has more recorded music per head of population than anywhere in the world and you know, the on the island, the studios and everything like that. And so reggae was just this amazing discovery. And for the best part of 25 years, I haven't looked back. <laughs> yeah. On that note, let's hear some tracks. Yeah, cool. Uh, shall we? you got a group called um, um, the Abyssinians and there's um, a track called Sada Masagana. Yeah. So tell me about that. This is an inspirational tune, I think. This is widely considered one of the greatest Roots reggae songs I think in particular for me, this song has everything going for it. It's it's the full sound. Uh, and for me anyway, this is sort of inspirational in terms of bringing in the horns. That's something that we discovered we really wanted to do with our music is bring the full sounding reggae, bring that authentic sound, bringing in the horns. And then so this is the, the epitome of that. You know, it, it defines that kind of that full roots reggae sound. <laughs> See what you think.
This is the Gardener Sound interview with Robbie Hewson on Plains FM 96.9. Before we talk about gigs and first gigs that you've got along to, do you want to just give me a breakdown? What's your interpretation of where um, the lines may begin or end between, let's say, reggae and dub and where does roots fit in that kind of feel to you? Sure, yeah. Um, so reggae is is a really broad term and it encompasses a really diverse and, and a, a load of subgenres within that. It's, it's like talking about rock. Or country. Know? Or country, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm hearing people refer to like a lot of folk nowadays, which I listen to it and I just hear country. You know, to me, it's okay. I, I call it country. But, okay. Um, There's a big Venn diagram going on there. There is, yeah. The, okay. um, I'm no expert on that subject. but yeah, And I'm yeah. no expert on reggae either. It's yeah. a huge subject in itself. But um, the way I see it is it's the history. It's the journey of the genre. Everything basically started out from sort of traditional island style music and really the birthplace of reggae was in ska yeah and and that's kind of a a faster up tempo kind of style mm. but with the rastafarianism when that came in the the groove slowed down the ganja vibe kicked in mm-hmm. and and the deeply rooted kind of faith inspired okay. music was what is what brought about the roots reggae scene okay but within that, you've got you've got your rock steadies, um, you've got you know dub, yes, and and dub is an amazing kind of breakthrough genre in itself yeah. within reggae. Yeah, dub was a production sort of sound. Uh, my understanding is dub was really discovered was a technique when in the recording studio there were mistakes made and it, they would dub them out. They would they would use these amazing you know their their mixing desk and fade out certain parts of the track. And what was discovered was this incredible sound when they dropped out the vocalist and they dropped out the, um, they cut out parts of the of the melody and you were left with this incredible driving drum and bass, bass. sort of yep. sound carrying the track. And then the engineer would fade in parts of the melodies, the horns, mm-hmm. the vocals. And then, of course, the effects over the top yep. is what makes dub, the, yep. the echoes. Yes. 
and King Tubby was the was considered the creator of that, um, and and other people like Lee Scratch Perry as well. Yep. You know those two guys, and there's you know there's heaps of them. Scientist, um, Mikey Dread. There's loads of dub producers. Yeah. So dub to me is well, I think dub is considered kind of the the huge influencer of more modern music as well. Electronica. Well, um, when you look at um, Black Seeds and you know, LAB topping the charts and all of that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. dub definitely comes in. You hear dub effects on mainstream pop tracks nowadays, you know, echo effects over a vocal. Yep. That was all, that all came about from 1970s Jamaican dub mixing. King yeah. Tubby was the inventor. Yeah. It's hugely inspirational for us. Dub is an incredible sound. Takes you to that that next level takes you to an outer space kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I feel that. I want to talk about, um, apart from traveling around the country um, with your mum and the country scene and all of that kind of thing, um, what was the first big gig that you chose to get along to that left a lasting impression? Probably the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> up in Auckland. Yep. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I hadn't really been to many many concerts until kind of the the, the mid 2000s and um, me and some mates traveled up to see the chilies up in Auckland and that was insane those guys were those guys were next level that was definitely the biggest gig I'd been to at the time what have you taken from the chilies either from Anthony or the rest of the gang well the thing I loved about the chilies was John Frusciante the the lead, lead guitarist yep um, just the psychedelic inspired lead guitar lines but the thing about the chilies right is they create that huge sound with three dudes, you know, three people on stage yeah. making such a noise. They, those guys are next level. You know, that funk sound, the bass lines. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's everything inspirational for a reggae band, for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, in, a different, in a different kind of way. But, uh, yeah, no, they were amazing live. Tell me about the sort of formative performance experiences for, for One Walker. I mean, how long have you guys been together, I guess, is the first question. Okay, so we've been kicking it around Christchurch for uh, the best part of 10 years now. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's a post-Quakes thing. We were, absolutely, we, we we were really trying to find our first gig just after the Quakes. Okay. And that was a mission. That doesn't sound like a like an easy thing. What was the what was the road like at that point? Oh, yeah, that was not an easy thing. There were no bars, there were no venues, uh, there was absolutely nowhere to play. We actually, as a band, we'd been practicing hard to get onto our first gig and we had some we had some slots lined up, which all got cancelled. Thinking back on that now, I'm amazed that we actually were able to carry on and not give up at that. You know, yeah. for a small scale local band trying to trying to get going, you know, that was pretty disheartening at the time. Uh, but I'm glad we stuck in there. Mm. Yeah. Tell me about the the early uh, at least recording experiences. Um, what were they like? What sort of uh, our earliest? Yeah. Oh wow, uh, we we had to go ourselves. We okay. we've always been really DIY. Yep. Uh, yeah, we still are. To be honest, we've we've always been DIY. We've we've just we just had to go. We taught ourselves how the basics of how to record, and um, we met people that knew how to mix, and uh, well, you know, had a go at mixing, yeah. and um, we started from there. So our, our earliest stuff. We booked a house. We went up to Kaikoura uh, in a room like this. We set up all the gear that we had and we could afford to borrow and yep. buy. And yeah. um, we set up in a room and we just recorded kind of uh, live takes, basically, yes. yeah. uh, live live tracking. Mm. And um, we put together a little a little um, EP called South Bay Sessions, which wasn't a bad crack at um, 
kind of a it was an un unproduced unmastered ep mm-hmm. um we just threw it out there for some for some music for to show people what we could do and i think people really liked it locally i think but the feedback we got about that album is people still tell me how much they love the tunes off that mm. and i think the guts of it was the tunes were were well written they were um they they were reggae or dub that fitted a local context mm-hmm. um, for people that lived in the South Island. The tunes we we wrote about then and still write about now were, you know, things faced for people in Ototahi are faced with and, and also for South Islanders, but also New Zealanders. Um, we're passionate about things like the environment and, you know, so still fitting that reggae, yep. that reggae brief of writing about the world um, and... and and our place in it, but trying to keep true to, um, we're not Rastafarian, we're not Jamaican, we're, yeah. we're Kiwis from yep. Christchurch, yep. so we always tried to stay to that brief, but being as authentic to kind of dub and, and those elements as we could. Has there been any international performance for you guys? No, no, we've, to be honest with you, we haven't gone that far out of the South Island, uh, uh, we all have jobs, we've yep. all got family, we've all got yep. kids, um, yep. so we've always stayed pretty grassroots and pretty local. Mm. Um the biggest roadie for us is our regular venture up to Nelson and Golden Bay and yeah. that sort of scene. Yeah. Reggae is well appreciated up there. Yeah. Particularly Golden Bay. It's the vibe. It's the vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We've, we've been up to the North Island and played gigs at festivals and things like that. So, um, you know, I see us as being a, quite a nice little opener opener act. Yeah. Um, you know, festival performer. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, we're... People are always surprised when they see us that the big sound we put out and and the authenticity mm. that we you know that we we play at for for the reggae genre. So yeah, how much has the lineup changed uh, since those early years? It it hasn't changed an an awful lot. Um, a couple of people have come and gone. Um, a couple of our friends that we sort of started out with, but for the most part, the core group of us are all there. And if anything, we've just picked up a few people along the way to add to the sound. Yep. Particularly like things um, yeah. where we wanted to add to those horn sounds. So yeah. is there any element of boundary pushing for you guys? I mean, how do you progress? How do you develop? Yeah. How do you grow within the group? I think for us, the focus has always been yeah, just staying true to the sound. Um, if anything, we've had kind of a reverse. We're going back in time okay. <laughs> on our journey. We yeah. started out wanting to be like, uh, the Black Seeds yep. and particularly Salmonella Dub. <coughs> the Sal, Sal Dub are the local legends of Dub. Of course. And, you know, so we, we grew up listening to um, Inside the Dub Plates and, and things like that, you know, for the love of it. The, yep. All of their amazing, um, you know, catalogue of music was, yep. was our inspiration. Yep. The Black Seeds, uh, Fat Freddy's Drop. New yep. Zealand have got some incredible reggae acts. But for us, I think the more we listen to that stuff, we've we've actually ventured into the the back catalogue of Jamaican the golden era of reggae a lot more and so our 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 sound has probably changed from those early recordings on South Bay Sessions where we were trying to sound like Salmonella Dub <laughs> we were trying to sound like Black Seeds we were yep. trying to sound like Fat Freddy's Drop yep but more recently I think we've taken on more of a root sound um, mm-hmm. we're dubbing things less we're we're actually sounding more more just rootsy and authentic and kind of warm um more the horns have become a huge part of our sound yes yeah uh it's time for some music and john brown's body 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about these uh, this, these characters. John Brown's body, yeah. uh, amazing contemporary. Um, well, they've been around a long time, but yep. you know, still current uh, contemporary US reggae band. Probably one of the greatest live reggae acts on the planet. Yep. I would say. And for us, is this is a this is a classic. We we put this on when we're setting up for practice and and things like that. This yep. is just a this is a sound we would probably try to emulate ourselves. Uh, just the most incredible horn section, and it's just got everything a reggae song should have. <laughs> amazing drops, amazing vocals. Yeah. Plantations, the track. It's off uh, one of their more recent albums. Great tune. <laughs>
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Robbie Hewson on Plains FM 96.9. Um, at the end of this section, we're going to talk about your latest single, Where Does the River Flow? And this is coming off your forthcoming EP, Take It Easy. Just tell me, uh, where was this recorded? Was it another Kaikoura adventure or uh, something else? No, no. We um, we went to a local studio here in Christchurch, our Orange Studios. And um, okay. yeah, Tom O'Connor. Uh, Again, the wonderful Tom, who was so versatile. He gelled into reggae just nicely and we worked really well together. Um, great guy and really enjoyed um, doing the proper studio thing yeah. on this one. Yeah, yeah that has come through in the sound so we've you know probably for the first time really achieved a, a really nice studio mastered sound on this one feeling pretty proud about this the cp coming out was really, it really happy with it was it about time yeah man i mean to be honest with you for a local band a lot of that is just about resources yeah. and how much you can invest in in doing an ep because we're self-funded this is a, a labor of love for us we we absolutely do this for the love of it um, but we were in a good position. We'd, we'd come off playing some gigs yep. and um, we were lucky to get all the recording and stuff finished by lockdown. So we, we've kind of had the past <laughs> the past year to do the play around with it. When you talk about being self-funded, have you made approaches for funding from funding bodies? Yes, we have. Uh, I think it comes back to that, uh, the fitting the mould thing. Um, reggae is... Uh, I think people love it or hate it, to be honest. Okay. I, I, you know, there's a, there's a commercial branch to reggae, which suits some radio play. The more authentic, the, the, the dub sound, the more alternate sounds. This is just my guess. Yep. But, I, you know, maybe it's, it's not so suited to some of those um, 
mainstream funding without looking to achieve commercial commercial outputs. Yep. You know? <laughs> That's tough. That's my take. Yep. Or it could just be that we suck. <laughs> and there's a hell, of a, lot of, hell of a lot of good bands out there. There are. Um, no, we've had a crack, bro. We've had a crack at some of those funding gigs. We'll keep going. I mean, that's just the life of a of a band. You know, you you keep applying for those those opportunities. But um, we're happy to to back ourselves and and put things together as we can. It's it's amazing that being part of a band and making music, you appreciate music more because you realise when you hear a good song, how much work has just gone into that song and that album. You know, in any genre. You realise, you know, from the writing process through the recording process, I think people that don't understand that take it for granted. Just how much effort, how much time, how much money has gone into <laughs> yeah. to producing a sound. Yeah. And that is the recording process in a nutshell for me. And so we were lucky to be steered towards Tom and Orange Studios this time and, and some, some local people to help us out. And it's worked out really good. Tell me about the creation of the song. Where did it come from? Oh yeah, so where does the river flow? Um, so that's the single. That's the the single off the EP, and this song is, funnily enough, this is kind of about what I was talking to you about earlier. Is is my personal discovery of of reggae? Okay, and it's actually about the the song itself is about that moment at the magazine store, and wow. and reading that article. So it's it's incredibly relevant to what we're talking about today. You didn't think of calling it Barrington. No, I didn't think about calling it Barrington and the Barrington Mall. Although we went through a phase of writing songs about could have been some funding there. Yeah, yeah, we could have got funded by the Barrington Fresh Choice or something. But um, yeah, or so just this, call it Fresh Choice. There, yeah, you go. brilliant. This Sorry. is this is really that moment. Um, and and some of the lyrics in the song are um, was about when you know someone that I used to know, you know, came up to me and um, and I heard Buffalo Soldier playing on the uh, sound system. So yep. that's kind of some of the lyrics of the tune. And that was that moment as as the discovery of the whalers and reggae and um, and then some of the lyrics later on are kind of it's a it's a feel good song. It's about you know um, this life that we live and the, the great people that we meet and you know where does where does the river flow is like that this metaphorical kind of uh, where, do, where does our life take us and where does it lead? And um, for me, it's always been centered around the the natural world and the mountains to the sea. And um, I work in conservation, so it's it's part of me. Yeah. So um, that's that song really in a, <laughs> in a, in a nutshell, my journey of reggae and um, this amazing place we live, uh, Ototahi. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it.
his arms wide open to borrow. So tell me, cause I got to know. is the Garden of Sound interview with Robbie Hewson on Plains FM 96.9. I guess one waka, one one family, one boat, one exactly. people together, one... Yes. Yeah? Yes, that's us, man. Um, it's a whanau. It's a, it's a family. It's an incredible bunch of people. People, a mix of people that I've grown up with, had in my life for a very long time. Uh, 
the best of friends that we've made along the way and some newer friends who are um, you know equally as connected to this whole journey that we're on yeah. so yeah one waka is an, is an incredible buzz and that's really it's why we do it is, yeah. is I couldn't care less actually about putting out music for other people to listen to it's it's honestly more about us and and getting together and writing music and jamming and yeah. playing yeah and and being together and that's you know it's um, we've created this incredible family vibe, which is why I think we've we've stuck at it. Let's go back about twenty years or so, little Robbie. Hmm. Is there anything you would have done differently, or anything you would say to that mid-teens chap? Nah, not 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 the younger me. I think the more. The would more... you have a conversation at least? Of course. Would you ask him how he's going. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I would tell him to to keep on that same track because uh, you know I. I've had a fantastic life to date and yeah. um, I, I wouldn't change a thing, yeah. you know. Probably more recently in, in, in my musical journey, I would have a conversation with the more recent me and say, uh, you know, hey man, just uh, don't be so impatient. You know, things will come your way. Things will happen. And um, there's always another opportunity around the corner. Uh, there's going to be some cool cool things coming up. So just sit tight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's me. Can be a bit impatient, and and I think with music, you want big things to happen. Every musician wants to play the big festival and work with this person or work with that person or jump on this album. But you, you finally get to playing those festivals, and you're kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, that was it, you know. So there's there's no great rush. There's always there's always cool things that come up. Is it more about enjoying the journey? Absolutely, and that's what I'm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying. Is it's about enjoying the journey along the way. Enjoy the processes. It's like when you record an album. You finish it and you put it out and you're, it's like, oh, well, that's kind of it. But it was the, it was, you have to make sure that the, you enjoy the process, you enjoy the recording, the sessions and uh, catching up with guys and recording horns and, you know, all hours of the night sitting up listening to the mixes and things like that. That's yeah. the, that's the fun part, really. That's yeah. the best part. That's why you do it. You talked about the impatience and, you know, I want to play this festival and, and all of that kind of thing. And I've, I've said, Go elsewhere in the world and and share your your vibe. Is there is there any anything on the on the musical bucket list, even though you are somewhere in your mid thirties? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, is it always going to be roots reggae for you? Oh, I don't. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, not necessarily roots, but a variation of reggae okay. of some sort. Yep. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll always yep. be us. Yeah, I don't think we're one of those bands who all of a sudden puts out a a track and a different. A genre, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's the, that's the heart of of the sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of things we'd like to do, actually, a really cool thing we've done on this album was probably a bit of a bucket list thing. To be honest, we yeah. um, we work with Gabe Calcott, aka Messenger, uh, of Reality Chant, incredible uh, local reggae um, producing. Uh, group, and we worked with Gabe to do a really nice analog dub mix. Uh, I sent it to I sent him the stems and uh, I said, "Bro, any interest in this track? Uh, I think this would really suit. You know, you could do something cool with this." And he was really into it. And um, what he what he did on it was just this amazing uh, King Tubby like analog dub mix. I know it took him a lot of work to get set up to 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 get that authentic sound. Yep. But when he sent it back to me, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is." You know, I sat there in my lounge and listened to that, and that was a bit of a dream to actually to just hear our music dubbed up 
in that old way using using some of the old techniques and some of the old analog sounds. I was, you know, so I'm I'm really excited um, for people to listen to that. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly an alternative type sound, and it's it's big time space echoes and stuff like that going on, but. As a singer too, to hear your own your own voice dubbed out, so you the delays are carrying off into the distance. Yeah. It's a really neat thing. Yeah. And, and yeah. When when will we be able to hear that? Uh, so the album will come out on the seventeenth. So of this September. is included on the album. Is this like a separate version on the album? Yeah, it's a version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is a very reggae thing to yeah. have. A, Version, uh, version, yeah, <laughs> that's the one, yeah. So it's the oh. it's the reality chant version, and um, brilliant. It's a of a song called "Take It Easy," which is the the title of the album. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Robbie Hewson on Plains FM ninety six point nine. Robbie, we're going to play mini quiz, which I love because I'm a cruel, cruel human being. I've never done a mini quiz, so this is really? exciting. <laughs> it's 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 like a proper quiz, but it's just smaller. I don't even know if I've done a quiz. Really, I've never been quizzed. Really, not on, not. Not in front of a microphone. Where anyway. were you on the night of the 13th? <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Robbie Hewson, your mini quiz starts. What type of instrument is a trombone? A brass instrument. What was the name of the tribute song that Stevie Wonder sang about Martin Luther King? Pass. Alison Moyet and Vince Clark made up which band formed in 1981? Pass. Which year did New Zealand artist Brooke Fraser release her single entitled Something in the Water? 2007. What was the name of the tribute song that Roberta Flack sang about Don McLean? Pass. Which New Zealand band released the 2005 single entitled Wandering Eye? Fed Freddy's. Which band had a hit entitled Dirty Old Town? Uh, the Pokes. Which band released the best-selling album entitled Californication in 1999? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Which year did the Village People release the best-selling single YMCA? 1972. And the final, what are the first names of the New Zealand entertainers Flight of the Concords? Repeat the question, sorry. What are the first names of the oh, New Zealand entertainers Flight of the uh, Concords? Brett McKenzie and J- Jermaine Clement. That's pretty good. We were just looking for the first names. Oh. Your time is up. All right, let's just get that pen out and see how well you did because you did pretty bloody good. That was terrible. You can tell I only listened to one genre of music. (laughs) Oh, hilarious. Uh, Yes, trombone's a brass instrument. Happy Birthday was the song that Stevie Wonder wrote about Martin Luther King. Yazoo was the band that Alison Moyet and Vince Clark were in. 2010, uh, Something in the Water for Brooke Fraser. Killing Me Softly with his song, Roberta Flack singing about Don McLean. Village People, YMCA, 1978. Oh. And the final one, um, what are the first names of the New Zealand entertainers? Five of the Concords, Fred and Jermaine. Five out of ten. That's pretty impressive, okay. considering okay. some of the terrible, um, <laughs> terrible scores that we've had. Okay, well, let's get in there. Had recently. You've got room to improve. <laughs> um, so when can we expect to see the new EP coming out? New EP will be out the 17th of September. Okay. And um, the song we just played um, is out now, which is... Just yeah, pretty, where does the river flow yeah, out now? Yeah, uh, and obviously uh, we've got "Take It Easy." Uh, we've got the the version version. We've got the messenger version of that. Yes, um, all on the EP. Where can we see you guys play live next? Any gigs coming up? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna do an album release on the same day as the actual release, so seventeenth of September. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, at Blue Smoke. Oh, one Christchurch. So we're okay. yeah, we're just building to that now. So it should be a great show. Have you got anyone lined up for support for that one? Yeah, so uh, Gabe Messenger is going to open up on the decks nice. on the selection. Yep. Yeah, and um, and then we'll kick into it yep. with the with the full sound with the full nine piece lineup. Excellent. 
time for just one more song. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. Take it easy. Yeah. What's this about? This is a this is a cool tune. It's a heavier feel. It's a heavier, deeper kind of a, a rhythm. My my daughter actually wrote the words to it. Wow. We were down at the park and we were on the swings yep. and we were just singing away, having fun. Yeah. In the in the we live in New Brighton, so yep. we were just hanging out on the beach um, at the park there and um, just chatting away. And we started writing this tune. Uh, I don't think we knew we were writing a tune at the time. Is she on the app for splits? Uh, yeah, I better get her on there, eh? <laughs> On the credits. <laughs> yeah, Blake Hewson. Um, okay. So I think this is a special tune for me because because of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I know she's she's really proud of that herself. That's amazing. Yeah, so um, I brought this to practice one day and um, I put it to some simple chords and showed the boys and told them what it was about. And I think they really they really thought it was just the coolest thing. Blakey's yeah. a big fan of One Waka. Yeah. In fact, all of One Waka, all of our, our Waka kids, yep. which there's a whole tribe of them now, yep. um, all the all of the boys, that there's a whole lot of little tackers kicking around yeah. and, and they all, they're all they all incredibly proud of their dads and, and the music they play yep. and they come along and they, they see us sound checking for a gig. Some of them get up on stage, uh, adds to the vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a whānau vibe, one waka, and that's, you know, it's, it's special for us. Robbie, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, man. It's been fantastic.
Thanks for joining me today on the show, and thank you to Robbie Hewson. If you want to find out where you can see One Walker play live or hear their new material, head to gardenofsound.nz, click on Robbie's image on the front page. I'm Ian Turner, and I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing in the Hora.